0: Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behavior, sleep, and more. Competitive, manipulating, dramatic, demanding. None of these words are ones you'd want to apply to your own kids. But if your child often displays one or more of these behaviors, Chances are you have what psychologist Andrew Fuller calls a tricky kid. Andrew has written a book called Tricky Behaviours Managing Challenging and Confronting Behaviours While Staying Sane. Because the truth is, some kids are easygoing and others are tricky. Thankfully, Andrew doesn't see this as a bad thing and has many tips on how you can raise a tricky kid well. Hi, Andrew. How are you?
1: Really well. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: That's my pleasure. I'm hoping you can help me with my own tricky kids. Um, (laughs) Do parents – and here we go. Here's a a good one to start with. Do parents create their own tricky kids? Is it something we've done when they're toddlers that creates challenging behaviour?
1: I don't think so. I think uh, tricky kids are clever kids who tried something out and it worked for them. So we know that basically when you're parenting a family and you've got a number of kids – it's a bit like you're running a baseball game, really. And so the way I like to think about siblings is it's like there are different bases and if one's got one covered, another one has to take a different base. And so that's why they'll often take on different roles in families. And so then you have these kids that go okay, well, you know you've got the good the good kid space or the responsible kid place and you've got the, the cute one. So I'll take on the sort of the noisy one, the, the troublemaker a bit. I'll basically have a go at stuff. So essentially it's just really their attempt to, you know, get the belonging and the connection that they would like to have. But they they often will do it in the same way over and over again. That's the part that becomes mind-bogglingly <laughs> uh, hard for parents to bear.
0: So what's the silver lining then if a child is displaying tricky behaviour?
1: Well, kids that have tricky behaviours are dynamos. You know, these are the people with all the get up and go, all the persistence, all the determination. These are the kids that basically won't just meekly kind of turn around when you say there's a consequence to a behaviour. They'll look you fiercely in the eye and and spit at you if, you know, they could. Um, And so (laughs) they're not going to be taken down by anyone very much. And so... While, you know, lots of parents get pretty bad advice about these kids because they become so feisty and so so will. They've got strong willpower, not necessarily in the right direction, but they've got strong willpower, and um, it's almost like you can end up with a battleground in your family. And lots of lots of parenting advice I find was along those lines: is you've somehow got to suppress these kids, you've got to basically win the battle, or you've got to sit down. And, and negotiate in a kind of mild-mannered way, which also doesn't work because these kids aren't at all interested in negotiation. They're interested in utter victory.
0: <laughs> that sounds familiar. Um, you go through different kinds of tricky behaviour in your book, and I'm not going to go through all of them because it would take too long and that's why you wrote the book. But I'd just <laughs> like to look at a few Um because I love how you, in this book, you identify a tricky characteristic and then you sort of point out how that particular characteristic could be helpful in the future, but also why we need to manage it. So if we could start with something children are often accused of, and that is of being manipulators, can you talk to me about that particular behaviour?
1: Now, to manipulate it literally means to fix. So we... Put a laden on it of a bad idea, but it's actually not necessarily bad at all. But essentially, these are kids that have learned, and I I suppose the point just before we go launch into these sorts of behaviors is that these are kids that really the role of parents isn't to suppress them, it's to broaden out their repertoire. Now, Kids who are manipulative basically are incredibly talented at getting other people to do the dirty work for them. So they will basically hand off responsibilities to other siblings. They will get other kids in trouble. They will blame them first. They're very, very shrewd and very sly. They're often ambitious. They're very goal focused. They're very directed. And they can be, well, I don't mean to be too mean about it, but a bit sneaky, really. And so this is a group of kids that really require parents to be really one, well, not so much one up on them, but at the same time to keep a really close eye on them because these kids change, as all tricky behaviours can change, but these kids change when they finally encounter an adult who's got their number, someone who's got them stitched, someone who's got eyes in the back of his or her head. And that's really what you want to have. And, you know, you want to have... One Of these kids needs to have the sense that mum or dad just you know you can't get away with anything because they're up to you all the time, um, because they're <laughs> just around you and um, and they're, they're lovely kids. But teaching them to be upfront and honest and clear about what they want is far better than, of course, some sort of detouring and going sneaky, and that's what your, your long term goal is.
0: What about kids who are super competitive?
1: You don't get a choice over that. I, I look, I don't know where these kids come from really maybe it runs in families maybe not look I just don't know but there are a bunch of kids who are just ultra competitive you know and they are an amazing bunch of kids and they are and again they're so determined that we're in a a dispute they don't dig their heels and heels in they dig their whole bodies in so they're basically (laughs) incredibly dramatic I'll never forget visiting a school in Perth that had a timeout room. And I walked in the timeout room because there was a boy in the timeout room. And I said to this boy, how come you're doing timeout? And he said, I'm doing it on credit. So he, he was just waiting for the day when the teacher would say, off to timeout. And he'd go, I've already done it. And so he was, he was determined to win. And he was, he was going to win. And it's fantastic. <laughs> these, these are great, great kids. But you don't get a choice about whether they're competitive. But you get a choice about who they're going to compete with. They yeah, can compete with you. I wouldn't recommend that. They can compete with their brothers and sisters. and That's not great for family harmony. Or they can compete with themselves. Ah, that's a better idea. So using thinking about how we help them to do personal bests, chart progress, uh, commence basically on a bigger sort of you know, growth trajectory for themselves is really important. The problem with kids who are, well, not the problem, but one of the things that can be an obstacle for these kids is they're so focused on victory that if they get less than 100% they can tend to give up and so there are a group of kids that in the book I talk about needing to provide um, probability goals with them and so essentially if I gave you an example of I was trying to teach you for example how to play um, tennis and I might draw a chalk circle on a wall and say and put you know a line further out and say i bet you you can't hit the ball into that circle six times out of 12. and uh, one of these kids will just go, oh yeah i'll show you and they will and then basically say okay all right i might make the circle a bit smaller or i might move you slightly further away now i bet you can't get it in 13 times out of 19. and so what you're doing is two things one is you're giving giving them a way to succeed which is not a hundred percent. They're they're basically exceeding beyond your prediction. And they love that challenge, that competition. So it engages them really well. And you're teaching them to set goals and then exceed them. And so increase their performance over time, which is what they'll very, very successfully do in their lives. But they've got to they've got to get over that fear of failure and think about probability. So this is a, a mathematical lesson for, for kids who are competitive.
0: You also, in the book, talk about avoiding conflict. Um, Can you explain that a bit? Because avoiding conflict can sound like you're actually avoiding the problem, but that's not really what you're saying,
1: is it? Parents need to be sneaky, really sneaky. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, while we have many different ways of processing information in the brain, and that's a fascinating topic in and of itself, in terms of emotion, there are only two real pathways. One's driven by your amygdala, which is about fear and stress and pain. And the other is driven by your hypothalamus and your pituitary gland that are releasing oxytocin. And oxytocin is the hormone of love and belonging and connection. And so, what these kids have learned is that they have to be feisty in order to be loved. They've got to you know, use their elbows to get the space that they need. And part of the answer is not to battle with them, but to basically, if you like, out love them or love them for who they are and then show them that they can be accepted for who they are without the negative sides of their tricky behaviours. So that takes a bit of thinking to do. But once you've got your head around it, it makes a much happier family than having a battleground every day.
0: Can you give me an example of how that might work, say, with um, a competitive child?
1: Well, in the book, I spell out what I've been researching for years now. It's it's a method called resolve. And basically resolve is an approach to remaining harmonious in a family. So the first part of of it basically is to respond rather than react. And so it's very easy as people just to basically react to kids. And that often means you wait until you're upset or angry and then do something about it. And so the first thing really is to think we need to develop a response strategy. Then it's basically about engaging them. So rather than waiting until there's a problem or an issue, you're really wanting to essentially engage them and connect with them. Because otherwise, you basically wait until they're upset before you're doing it. Then it's about trying to work out what's going on for that child. You see, what you wanna have in a any family, tricky behaviors or not, is for misbehavior to be the abnormal state, not the normal state. And one of the ways of thinking about how you change that is to really change the language in a family. And that language is often a change from why to what. So obviously we'll still use the word why in our family, but when you use why a lot, it's often a fairly conflict-driven kind of word. Why, why aren't you ready? Why didn't you get the homework done? Why is not the dog walked? Why aren't you dressed yet? Why'd you hit your sister? Or whatever it might be. So when you change that to what's going on for you, are you okay? What's happening for you? Are you okay? Uh, basically, that then, Almost frames misbehaviour as abnormal and a problematic state, not the normal state. Because, and you don't want it to be the normal state, because of course, um, if it's a normal state, that family's hell to live live with. And then it's really watching kids as they go through the process of their behaviour. So quite often, what will happen is that tricky behaviour kids manufacture upset, and they're very good at it, and they're very Good at creating a storm in a teacup around themselves, which can basically fend people off. But long term, what you want to have is a kid who can settle him or herself. And so, what you've then got to think about is how can I learn their process of doing that? So, it's moving beyond anxiety or agitation or avoidance back into that sort of calm zone. And that requires the next part, which is lowering the tempo. And in that, what I think a lot about is the neurochemistry behind behavior, which I could talk to you about for a long time, but I probably bore you. So, but in the book, we talk about different neurochemicals and how they predict behavior and then essentially how you can use those to change those behaviors. And then you're trying to value add, so the V in 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 resolve is value add, basically, what can I do to... Not only call upon your contribution because tricky kids like to contribute, but also make a difference in the world. And the last part of it's empower. So resolve is you know respond with you know rather than react. It's basically engage. It's in in terms of seeking understanding to observe the behaviour, value add, and lower the tone, value add, and then empower. Because long term, what you want are kids who can manage their own behaviour. You don't want to be in a position where you have to manage your kids' behaviour for the rest of their lives. And so that's helping them have skills so that they can use them in the future.
0: If we can go back to the step of reducing the tempo, um, because I know that in the book you talk about how Tricky behaviour can be a sign of something else going on for children. And most of us learn about that when it comes to toddlers, but somehow forget it as our kids get older, that a tantrum is a sign of something they can't communicate. I'm really interested in that idea of slowing down the tempo because that seems to be what you're saying is if we can calm whatever is underlying that emotion then we're in a place where we can go on to those other things like you were talking about, um, value-adding and empowering. But we can't do anything if we haven't calmed the underlying anxiety or whatever it is that's going on for the child. Do you have any suggestions on how we can do that?
1: Maybe I've watched too much Doctor Who in my life. But I think (laughs) never. (laughs) parents need to be time lords. And a time lord basically deals with the problem when and where they want to, rather than allowing the kid necessarily to dictate. So what happens for tricky kids, tricky adults, tricky people, is they want to have things done in a rush. They've got an urgent problem. And they want you to solve it in some way or respond to it. And really part of the job is to slow that down because otherwise you don't get any reflection and you don't get a chance to think through the sort of long-term solution. You might come up with a temporary thing, but often that won't help. So it's about helping kids to slow themselves down so they can start to come up with solutions as well. Um, And so it can be just pausing and going, okay, that's that's very it's a very important issue you've raised there. I need a good half an hour to think about that before I come back to you, for example, and talk about it because it's so important. And, um, of course, some of your tricky behaviours is not going to like that very much. But in some ways, what you're modelling to them is a more thoughtful approach to living your life, and that's critical to do. Because if you don't lower the tone, you don't get the reflection. And if you don't get the reflection, you don't get the learning. that will change things.
0: I could talk to you all afternoon, but um, instead, I'm going to point people to your book, Andrew. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.